Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Zechariah 4 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a a candlestick of all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are on the top thereof and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me saying, what are these, my Lord? The angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I say, said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, And I want you to read out loud with me. Ready, begin. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shouting and uh, crying grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also finish it. Notice that. His hand shall also finish it. And thou shalt know the, uh, that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath uh, despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They, uh, they are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Let's be seated and I'll pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word once again. We ask that you be our instructor and teacher in this, in this moment. Would you just guide us? Um, help us to focus. Lord, I pray that your, your will would be done in our hearts. Thank you for the hymns that we can sing. Thank you for the truths we can affirm together in, in, with our voices. Thank you for the ability and the privilege to gather together in freedom. And Lord, should this freedom be taken away from us, I pray that we continue to gather and that we continue to open up your word together. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to see that you have called us to a glorious calling, to a hopeful calling, to a purposeful calling. Lord, it's by your Spirit that we can accomplish all that you've asked us to do. And so we ask that you would just guide us along tonight, grow us in your truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Many followers of Christ, you and I, Uh, I I shouldn't talk about other people, but you and I as followers of Jesus Christ oftentimes uh, will come up against what God has called us to do and we'll we'll start to try 
to serve in our own strength, to do what God has called us to do in our own strength. And we talk much about that and the need for the filling of the Holy Spirit. In our passage of Scripture tonight, we're going to realize that we can do nothing without the Holy Spirit's help. And we need to be reminded about that even as we think back to last week and what we talked about with Caleb and the mountain that he wanted to, uh, to gain and he wanted to conquer from um, because the Lord had promised it to him. The Lord had promised uh, to us back in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. These are promises that the Lord has given to us even in this, this day. He is still promising to build his church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Yet, we can come up against things like that and the purpose that Christ has left us here to do, to accomplish, we can come up against it and, and, and seek to accomplish it in our own strength. The problem with working and serving Jesus Christ in our own strength, whether that's a Sunday school class, whether that is uh, maintaining, uh, maintaining the, the work of the Lord, uh, doing something with your hands, whatever we try to accomplish in our own strength, uh, it oftentimes can lead us to a place of frustration because we, we run out of our own energy. We run out of our own resources. We can become frustrated and, uh, and defeated, and, and it leads to kind of a quiet despair. You know what? I'm, I don't know that this, this whole serving Christ thing works. I, I don't know that I can continue on, and it leads us to a quiet despair. I'm not sure that I can continue forward. In fact, some folks, when they get to that place, wonder, am I just a lesser Christian? I see other people serving the Lord. I must be just a lesser Christian. I can't, I can't hack this thing. I can't do this thing. Fact is, when God calls us to serve Him, He gives us the power with which to serve Him. He gives us His Holy Spirit to help us along. And it's amazing that the purpose that He gave us, He also gave us the power to, to pull it along, to do what he's called us to do. Faithful is he that hath called you, who also will, what is it? Do it. We can't accomplish anything in our own might and strength. We need to be reminded of that often because too often we try. As we presented things last week about uh, going forward as a church and saying, Lord, what would you have us to do in the future? How would you have us to, to look in the future? What would you do in this place? Would you add people to this, to this body? As we presented that last, last Sunday night, listen, friends, we can't do anything this year apart from the Holy Spirit's help. We cannot win one soul to the Lord apart from the Holy Spirit's help. You can't have victory apart from the Holy Spirit's help. The reality is we need to acknowledge that before the Lord on a daily basis. Hudson Taylor said this, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. Uh, we all need to be leaning on him really hard this week. We need to be leaning on him. Whatever God's given you to do in your family, in your workplace, in, in your life, here in his, in his work as, as a church, we must lean on on him every responsibility that god gives is intended is intended to be accomplished by his spirit by his spirit what he was telling zechariah what he was telling zerubbabel what he was telling uh, the the men in the book of ezra he was not telling them here's here's the responsibility i'm going to give this to you uh go do what you can with it no, he is saying, this is something that you must do by my spirit, with my help. God's people in our passage were in bondage in the land of Babylon. We have a map here to, 
to see that and to understand where, where uh, they were. So all the way over in Jerusalem, all the way some uh, many miles away over there in Babylon, Media, um, uh, Medes and Persia area, they were in bondage there. And God used a political ruler, a political leader, a political king to send them back for them to build the temple again. Do you remember what his name was? Cyrus. You know, God still uses men today who are not perfect to do his will. And God uses men today who maybe we don't even, even like to do his will. God is not bound. And he uses Cyrus, king of Persia, who had a unique heart for God to initiate a large group of Israelites to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. The temple was, had been destroyed. And they were in bondage because of their own sin. The story we'll cover tonight takes us to three different books of the Bible. And so I want us to turn back to Ezra chapter number one. And I want us to realize that when God gives a responsibility, he intends for that responsibility to be accomplished by his spirit. Whatever a responsibility you have, whatever God has given to you, he intends for you to accomplish it by his spirit. You say, well, does that extend to my secular work? Absolutely. He intends for you to accomplish your daily routine by his spirit. And here we have, in, in the book of Ezra, we learn a little bit more about this de on de on de uh, decree or this declaration from Cyrus. And I want us to notice that God had given them a responsibility, a God-given responsibility. Look at Ezra chapter 1 and verse number 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus the king, of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, uh, uh, that the, uh, came the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled that the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it into writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. By the way, remember, that God sets up kings and he takes down kings. Aren't you thankful for that? He is in control. And so he given him all the kingdoms of the earth and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem which is in Judah. And so here this proclamation comes from Cyrus and God reveals through his word, through his prophets, he reveals a responsibility. He reveals what is a responsibility for specifically Zerubbabel and those going back to Jerusalem to accomplish in building the temple of the Lord. The date of this proclamation was 538 B.C. And Cyrus reigned from uh, somewhere around 539 to 530. So a brief amount of time, but during this time, God used him to declare something and to reveal a responsibility to his people, I want my temple to be built again. Ezra chapter 6 and verse number 14. According to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus was put in the proclamation. So here he is giving this, this proclamation. Uh, you are to go back and you are to build this temple. Responsibilities that we must do come from God responsibilities that we must do come from God. And those roles and responsibilities come from the Word of God. They're revealed in the Word of God. Your responsibility, your greatest responsibilities, the ones that you must do are revealed in the Word of God. As you wake up tomorrow morning, will you, will we look into the Word of God? Lord, what is my responsibility today? If 
Fathers, we all know that we are to raise our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Uh, we all know that we are to walk in holiness. Be holy, for I am holy. We all know that as we go about tomorrow, we are to be witnesses of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. The Word of God reveals responsibility. 2 Kings 22 and verse number 10. People ask where my name is found in the Bible and where my brother's name is found in the Bible. 2 Kings chapter number 22. It says this in verse number 10, And Shaphan the scribe, showed the king, that was Josiah, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king, and it came to pass, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. Renting the clothes, as you remember, is, was a sign in those days of mourning or anguish over what had been heard. And so Josiah rent his clothes because he realized they had not been following the book of the law. Now, this is just for illustration's sake. This was not the same time as, as, as uh, the, the book of Zechariah and so on, but he has received this message. We have not been doing right. It's the word of God, friends, that gives us our responsibilities, what we must do. And when we hear the word of God, and when the word goes against what we're doing, we must, as Jer uh, uh, Josiah, rend our clothes or rend our hearts. As Jesus already told us in the Beatitudes, they that, uh, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted, right? And so we rend our hearts before him. One man said, if a Christian is careless in Bible reading, he will care less about Christian living. It is the word of God that informs our responsibilities. This is what we must do. May the Lord help us through this week align our responsibilities under the word of God. And how important that that is. So there was a responsibility revealed through the word. This is the declaration. By commandment of God, you're to go back and you're to build the, um, the temple. You're to, you're to erect that again in Jerusalem. After many years, it sat in rubble. You're to build it again. But there's a responsibility received. Ezra chapter 1 and verse number 5. Look at it with me. Ezra 1 and verse number 5. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, with all them whose heart or whose spirit God had raised. They were intrigued in their spirit to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. We skip over to Ezra chapter 3 and verse number 8. Ezra 3 and verse number 8. Now in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, began Zerubbabel, notice that name, Zerubbabel, let's say that together, Zerubbabel, what a fun name, one more time, Zerubbabel, all right, and continue to say that over and over, you get you know, a little bit tongue-tied, Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, and the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. I want us to realize Zerubbabel was the leader of the Jews. He was leading them back. I want us to catch their journey. They would have journeyed one more time with the map. They would have journeyed across the top there, Babylon, all the way across, uh, across the top, many, many miles down to Jerusalem. 42,000 plus Jews uh, along with servants and, and singers. Notice there were singers specifically mentioned in this gathering going back. 
how important praise is, how important music is to the work of God, correct music to the work of God. And so Zerubbabel is leading this group back. Uh, his, uh, his, his time frame of le- uh, leading the Jews would have been somewhere around 538 to 516 B.C. And his name meant born in Babylon. Born in Babylon. So here's a young man who was raised in a foreign land, but God has raised him up to bring his people back to Jerusalem and lead them. And notice what it says there in Ezra chapter uh, 3 and verse 8. To set forward, to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. Now what is this idea of setting forward? It is to put it in its place. Priority. Let's get this thing in motion. To set it forward. And so Zerubbabel was was responsible with all of these people that came back to set in motion the work of the house of the Lord. Ezra 3 and verse number 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, uh, the sons of Asaph with cymbals. Now, does anyone remember who Asaph was? All right, that's what he was. He was a song leader. So here he is, and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with the cymbals to praise. I, I shouldn't say he, he is, um, but uh, his family still, um, still there in the music, uh, the music uh, of, the, of the temple to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. Verse number 11. And they sang together by course and praising and giving thanks in the Lord because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. They're all cheering. They're singing. They're singing praise the Lord. They're singing his mercy endures forever all together as a, as a group being led together. Why? Because they saw the foundation blocks being laid. Have you ever visited a construction scene and just seen the foundation laid? Uh, most people go to that and go, well, not much going on here, right? I, don't, I can't visualize the house, right? Uh, but they were very happy to see this foundation laid. You see, Zerubbabel had obeyed the Lord. He'd heard the the responsibility he had, along with all the other people of Israel that were going back, on those whose hearts were stirred up by the Lord. They said, yes, sir, Lord. They received this responsibility. They went back, and they set it in motion. I am reminded here that every victory, big and small, ought to be celebrated, ought to be praised, We ought to thank the Lord. When the Lord gives you a little victory over a sin, praise the Lord. When it's a big victory, praise the Lord. When we have a big victory as a church, praise the Lord. When it's a little victory, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And that's what they were doing here. They were praising because the foundation had been built. We ought to to take a cue from them, be willing to sing and praise the Lord, shout, clap our hands, be excited about those things. By the way, sometimes people will say, I don't know whether to say amen or clap my hands. You know, it's, it's okay. It's in the Psalms. I believe it's in the Psalms to clap your hands. Right? And sometimes we think in our minds, well, we don't want to raise up people or uh, uh, performance. But we have gotten away from a lot that is inside the Bible because we've been scared of abusing it. Okay, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> it's true. So it, there, there's, there's great rejoicing here in this, in this scene. There's great, there's great jubilance because they, they saw God doing something. I, 
very grateful when, when God's people organically just praise the Lord. Whether it's in, in a clap or a hearty amen, praise the Lord. God's doing something. We give them praise for it. And they celebrated this, this victory there on that day. And so I want us to just think about, God gave them a responsibility. He gave them a role. You're to go back to Jerusalem. You're to build my house. This is my responsibility. I've revealed it to you. You have now received it. What is your responsibility that God has given you? What is the purpose? What is the responsibility that God has given you? Have you heard it? Have you seen it clearly? And have you received it and saying, by God's grace, I'm going to set it forward. I'm not going to let it lay dormant in my life. I'm not going to let grass grow under my feet, but I'm going to set it forward. I'm going to go forward with it. Our roles as, as a child of God, as a husband, right? As a, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as a church member, as an employee. What is the role that God has given to you? Each one of us are witnesses of Jesus Christ. That's why he's left us here. What is the role that God has given to you? And as I mentioned a moment ago, he's called us all to live holy lives. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 7, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. These are things God has called us to do, and we want to set them forward. We want to love our wives, husband. Uh, wives, you want to uh, reverence your husbands. Children, you need to obey your, your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We're the children, right? Uh, obey your, your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen. Amen. All right, and these are things that we are to do. We are to work honestly and diligently at our jobs, right? The Lord has given us roles. He's given us callings. He's told us what to do. These are God-given responsibilities. And each day as we get into the Word of God, we need to be seeking, what is it that you want me to do? Specifically, what is it that you want me to do? We're obligated to these things. We're accountable to God for these things. The Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive the things done in our bodies according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're all going to give an account for the responsibilities that God gave to us. That could be tonight, that we could stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Oh, that we take them seriously like a Zerubbabel did. But oftentimes, with mountaintops, we've gotten back, we've taking the long trek, it wasn't inside of a vehicle with air conditioning across that desert. It was miles and miles and miles on end of walking. Think about the children in that, in that scenario, walking. Children, can you imagine walking a very, very long time on hot sand? Can you imagine how tired you might be? There weren't any pilot stations or love gas stations to stop in and get a cup of coffee. You wouldn't want a, uh, one, an iced coffee maybe, right? There wasn't any of those modern things that, that go along with traveling. I'm going to take a road trip. This wasn't a joyous road trip there. They get back, they start the building, they set it forward, and now there's the, there's the foundation. Wow, what a great thing, a mountaintop experience. We're praising the Lord. We're all happy. We're going to keep going forward. What a wonderful thing. But oftentimes with mountaintops come valleys, right? These are not always physical. You know, valleys sometimes in your life and my life can be emotional. Yeah, sometimes those are our hardest valleys to navigate. They can certainly be spiritual. Some of the valleys can be right here. 
mental, even what you ladies are going through in the Bible study ahead of time here, and how that we can get things in our minds. We can believe them. We can just stay there and stay locked there. With mountaintops come valleys. I'm thankful that our shepherd walks through those valleys with us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know what we have here? God-given responsibility leads to a God-allowed opposition, a God-allowed resistance. And I want us to realize nothing that happens in your life and my life this, this week happens apart from the approval of our God. God gave them a responsibility. Did he know that resistance was going to come? Did he know that there were going to be some problems? Because I want to I know, and this is in, in, in crucial to the story, crucial to us understanding what God is trying to say. You say, why are we in Ezra? And, and, and we start off in uh, Zechariah. Why are we over in Ezra? Because it's all one story. It's all a part of the same story. And God used, and we'll, we'll pull this together, and so stay with me. But we'll pull all this together. It's, it's amazing. It's all one story across these three books of Zechariah, Haggai, and, uh, and, and also Ezra. And we have this whole function. God says, I want you. I'm giving you the responsibility. Build my temple. So they get that foundation in the ground. Glory be to God. But here comes the resistance. Job teaches us that nothing happens in our life apart from God. He knows everything that happens to us. And whatever pushes us toward God is ultimately for our good. That's really hard to swallow because there's some things that I just don't want to happen. And then I hear that. Anything that causes me to depend on God more is for my help and for my good. And I have to, I have to chew on that one. Anyone with me? Hmm. Notice what happens. There was resistance from adversaries. I want you, you to go, and I hope you're following along. Ezra chapter 4 and verse number 1. Ezra chapter 4 and verse number 1. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel. So we have the same group. God is speaking to Zechariah, give a message about Zerubbabel, same group. Here we have these, they're back there, they've built it, the foundation's in the ground, and there's certain people that had heard that this temple was beginning to be built, and these were adversaries. Now notice Ezra 4 and verse number 5. And what did they do to thwart this, to, to undermine this? They hired what? Counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia. So here we have these adversaries who were supposed to, uh, who were coming along acting like, hey, we're, we're part of this. We're going to give you advice. We're going to help you. We're going to help you along. And you know what? They were hired in order to frustrate the purpose. It's pretty amazing where adversaries will come from against the work of the Lord. At first resistance, though, it's amazing, those who appeared to be on their side were actually very much against them. Mark it down. 
Satan will use this over and over in our lives to get us off of our responsibilities, to get us to forsake and neglect our responsibilities. And so here we have these adversaries showing up, and they eventually show their true colors. They were there to frustrate the purpose. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number 5, For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Well, out were fightings, within were fears, Paul said. Or there's adversaries that rose up. When God had called us to preach the gospel there in Macedonia, there were adversaries that rose up. There are still adversaries. There are adversaries to the work of God. There's adversaries to the church of God. Those, those adversaries come and intend to cause trouble and to get you off focus of your God-given responsibilities. What has been revealed, go build the tabernacle. Go build the temple. These adversaries hired to frustrate them might be people, might be attitudes, might be flesh, might be wrong and limiting philosophies, things that creep up and to get us off focus from our God-given responsibilities. But we must notice in the, the mix of all this, they had received a responsibility from God and now they're facing opposition. They're facing resistance and God allows it to happen. Friends, we must not get past that. The resistance that you're facing when God gives you responsibility, resistance does not happen apart from God's approval. So he's allowing this to happen in their lives. These adversaries are frustrating their purpose. Notice what happens in Ezra chapter 4 in verses 4 through 5. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of uh, King, uh, Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And here's what I want us to really get a hold of. We have this, these adversaries, this resistance that was happening from adversaries, but now God's people are going to begin to retreat from their, their duty. Uh, notice there in verse number four, it, it says they weakened the hands of the people of, of, of Judah. They've just built the foundation. They've just laid it down, but now their hands are getting weak. Their hands are getting tired. They're, they don't know if they want to go on. How many years did this go on? Well, they began building in 536 B.C. Cyrus ruled until 530 B.C. Darius began to, to rule in 521 uh, B.C. And so it actually happened that they stopped this work or they frustrated this work for 15 years. 15 years. They've received this, go back, build the temple. They built the foundation. And now because of these adversaries that God allowed into their lives, God knew when he gave the command would come along. Now, they frustrated the purpose and God's people got off focus from their responsibility and stopped building for 15 years, all the way to the reign of Darius. I want us to think about that. Every one of us have God-given responsibilities that will meet resistance. And if we're not careful, we'll stop. If we're not careful, we'll get discouraged and stop. I want us to turn over to Haggai chapter number one and verse number one. I want us to keep this in mind. I said we'd be in three different books. Zechariah 
Ezra, and now Haggai. We'll pull all this together in moments. But I want us to realize these people went forward with the responsibility. They met the resistance, and now they're stopping. Or you could say it this way. With discouragement and disturbance, it turned to disengagement in their lives. They had been discouraged by these adversaries. There was disturbance. There was just turmoil going on. We live in a day of turmoil, don't we? Turmoil going on against the work of God? Oh, well. And you know what? They just disengaged. You know, this marks many, many believers. We get discouraged because of some resistance. We get discouraged because some adversary comes against us and we disengage. Now let's heed the words of Haggai. Haggai, chapter 1 and verse number 1. He was a contemporary prophet with Zechariah. So they were preaching buddies. So you might see at a, at a meeting or gathering, uh, preacher Zechariah and preacher Haggai are going to bring the messages. Here we go. Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, do you remember that? Let's say that together. Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, governor of Judah, he was a leader, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying. So God is again speaking to them after 15 years of discouragement. We don't want to build. Now, I want us to pause here for a moment. God is coming to them in the midst of their discouragement and their disengagement. They, they've Think about this. Think about the fact that as they went about their lives, they passed by, they passed by for 15 years, passed by the foundation. Have you ever passed by someone who started, passed by a piece of property where something was started and it just stays there? We have a house on our way in. I think they've redone the house, the outside of the house, three or four times since we, we, we come that way. They, they build it partway up, then it comes back down. They build it partway up. It just never seems to get completely finished. All right, so just get the scene. They, they, they've laid this foundation. They've disengaged because some adversaries hired against them. The adversaries didn't tell them to stop. They, didn't, they, 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 they could have continued on. They could have pressed forward. But here it is. They, they have stopped. And Haggai the preacher is now the one responsible to come and confront them in this. Look at verse number two. The Lord, speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, the time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time, O ye that dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie in waste? Uh, now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye are clothed, but you're none, uh, there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put uh, into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So here we have Haggai, who comes along as a prophet, and he's saying, listen, you've been walking past this, this foundation for far too long. Is it not time? 
Is it not time to do something about this? Is it not time to rise up and build? Is it not time to to move forward? You've been sitting in this place and discouraged about all that's going on and over and over the world's always bad and there's always the wrong time and it's always a bad economy and there's always inflation. There's always a reason not to. Is it not time to go forward? They had disengaged and we see that when they say, and Haggai brings this up um, back to them, when they say, it's not time. It's not quite the right time. Do you know it'll never be time to move forward in the work of the Lord? Humanly speaking, it'll never be time to advance. There'll never be a right time to build. There'll never be a right time to to reach out and witness. There'll never be, humanly speaking, the right time. Here they are, they're saying, no, it's not the right time. They had totally disengaged. They had taken a whatever attitude to the things of the Lord, to the work of the Lord. No, it's it's the right time to build our houses. It's the right time to put ceilings up in our house. It's the right time to make sure our houses are in place, but it's not the right time to build the house of the Lord. We tried and nothing good happened. We were discouraged and, and, and we met some opposition and lawyers came up and counselors came up and you realize it's just not the right time. It's not the right time. God sent Haggai to stir that up, to confront them about the fact They are saying it's not the right time. Do you know that people today, believers today, still say about going forward in the work of God, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. Don't you realize the condition of our country? It's not the right time. Don't you realize where we are economically? It's not the right time. It's not the right time. And it'll never be the right time unless we get our eyes off the circumstances around us and get our eyes onto God and realize he's bigger than all of this. Our response to the valley reveals our understanding of our God. When that resistance came, if they had believed, like Caleb did, that God was bigger than any resistance that could come up against them, they could have bowled right through that. That temple could have been built 15 years previously, but they did not. And the reality is that there are believers like you and I that get stuck in disengaged positions saying it's not time. It's not time to move forward. It's not time to take on something for God. It's not time to advance according to his word. And the fact is, it'll never be time, humanly speaking, to move forward for God. We can always find an excuse why not to. They just stopped prioritizing the work of the Lord. Well, someone said we can't. And so we won't. We'll go do our our things. We'll prioritize our life. We'll prioritize our houses. We'll prioritize our things. They stopped serving because of resistance. Because some people who were supposed to be with them opposed them and resisted them. So they stopped serving. You know, there's no reason to serve. There's no reason to continue on. It's not time to continue on. And they retreated. They disengaged. Friends, whole churches can disengage in that way. Do we want to be a church that disengages? At resistance? We all sure about that? Right? No. When God gives us a responsibility, we want to stay on it until it's finished. We don't want to just lay the foundation. We want to stay on it until it is, until it is finished. And so how important it is for us not to engage on disengaged like they did. It's not time. And the whole responsibility, the whole message of Haggai in the Bible is to come to God's people and say, it is time. It is time. 
What I find very, very interesting, and this in a broader view of Scripture, we've been in three books tonight, Zechariah, Haggai, and Ezra. Ezra gives us the details of the story, but Zechariah and Haggai give us the messages that God sent to his people. And here we have a Haggai that stands up almost like an evangelist. And he says, listen, hey, wake up, church. Wake up, God's people. It's time to go forward. And he kind of gets a little bit in their face. It is time. You say it's not time. It is time. Consider your ways. It is time. Let's move forward. Let's stop disengaging. Let's stop being discouraged. It's time to move forward in the work of the Lord. And you know what's incredibly comforting is the fact that the message that we read from in Zechariah is from a little bit different um, perspective. Because here, here Haggai is saying it's time to move forward. And I can almost hear inside the hearts of the children of Israel how we've tried before and this is where we are. How? How? And I want us to realize that God helps them to know how. How are they going to move forward? How are they going to take up on the responsibility that God had given them to build this temple once again? And I want us to realize God sent reassurance to their hearts through the message of Zechariah. And so let's go back to Zechariah chapter 4 and realize what God was doing in the hearts of his people. He's saying, here's the responsibility. Go build my temple. They met resistance. They got discouraged. They disengaged. And God sent Haggai, go build the temple. Stop walking around the, the foundation. Consider your ways. It's time to move forward. Despite how much it might cost, it is time to move forward. It's time to go forward for God. And God sends along when they say, how? How, Lord? How are we going to do this? Sends along Zechariah. Notice this reassurance. A reassurance of continual power. Notice in uh, Zechariah 4 and verse number 4. So I said, answered, and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, what are these, my Lord? He, he's, he's seen this vision of the two olive trees and the bowls and the, and, and the, on top of the trees and, uh, and, and, uh, and pipes down to the... Uh, to the menorah uh, uh, of sorts. And he, and he says, what, what is this all about? I want us to realize that God was speaking to continual power. When Zerubbabel started, he knew this was a God thing. He was leading the people. He knew God had commissioned him to do this, but they got discouraged. Resistance led to discouragement, defeat, disengagement. And so God gives this vision of the golden candlesticks. I want you to maybe visualize this with us for a moment one of the pieces of the furniture of the temple was the candlestick you can throw that up there and get that in front of you perhaps you've seen something like that before it was never to go out correct it was never to go out it took constant refueling to uh, keep the light shining and so Zechariah saw this in his vision from God he saw this and and uh, he was to tell Zerubbabel that one of the, the candlestick was never to run out of oil. It was, it was going to be connected to a constant source of, of power. And I want us to realize what we read here a moment ago. Look at verse number five. Then the angel uh, that talked with me answered and said, Knowest thou not what these be? He says, No, my Lord. And he speaks of Zerubbabel and how that God was going to empower him, just like in this vision, he was going to empower him with a continual source of power he says in verse number six this is the word of the lord unto Zerubbabel, not by might 
nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So this vision in verses 1 through 3 was um, depicting these trees, these olive trees, constantly supplying the candlestick, constantly supplying with fresh oil in order to burn brightly. And he's saying, this is what I want Zerubbabel to remember. It's not his power, it's not his might, it's not his ability that's going to lead this thing forward, that's going to make this thing happen. It is going to be by my continual flow of power into his life that's going to give him the ability to do what I've uh, um, told him to do, to, to accomplish that responsibility. He says, it's not by might, it's not by your military strength. You can muster a whole military together, it won't be by that, Zerubbabel. It's not going to be by power, not by manpower, physical, mental, willpower. It's not going to be by that, Zerubbabel. It'll be by my power, this continual flow of of power. Oil is a picture in Scripture of the Holy Spirit. And just as that in that vision that, that Zechariah was given to deliver to Zerubbabel, the oil running into those into those uh, to the the the, uh, the lamps. Uh, so wasn't the, the power of God, as he says there in verse number six, into Zerubbabel's life to give him power to lead this responsibility forward. Here's what I want us to catch a hold of here. There would be no human explanation for Zerubbabel being able to accomplish and finish this responsibility. It was going to be something that God was going to do. Except God got involved, it would not happen. And except God would empower, it would not happen. And he's telling Zerubbabel, it's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by your power. It's going to be by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's going to be my, my continual flow of power. And I just want us to think about the responsibilities that we thought of a moment ago. You will not accomplish them except for that continual flow of power from the Holy Spirit of God. You will not accomplish your role in your family except by the continual flow of power from the Holy Spirit of God. Whatever God is calling on you to do and the responsibility he's giving to you, you will not accomplish apart from the Holy Spirit of God giving you a continual flow of power. Those who surrender the Holy Spirit find a continual source of strength. A continual source of strength. And that's exactly what God wanted Zerubbabel to remember. They're walking around, oh, it's not time. We can't do this. You know, you know Zerubbabel's carrying on other matters of government. He's there governing there in Judah. But it's not time to take care of this matter. It's not time to, to deal with this matter. It's not time to deal with this issue of disengagement. He says, it's not, it's not time. No, you can't do it by your might. You can't do it by your power. But by my spirit, you can. By my spirit, you can. And so he gives him a reassurance of continual power. I'm going to enable, one, a, enable you. As Haggai says, consider your ways. Let's get building. They say, how? God comes along with this message saying, I got the power for you. I have the enablement for you. I have the ability for you to go forward. Paul understood this when he spoke to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2 and 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the power, or of the spirit and of power. It says, I didn't have the strength to do it. This is bigger than me. This is a huge task. I can't preach and communicate the, the beautiful truths of the gospel. God, he says, it wasn't with my enticing words of man's wisdom. It wasn't with my might, but it was by the spirit of God. By the spirit of God. Look at verse number seven of our passage, Zechariah 4 and verse number 7. Who art thou, O great mountain? 
before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. I want us to realize not only was there a reassurance of continual power from the, the Spirit for Zerubbabel, there was also reassurance of conquered problems. Who art thou, O great mountain? Great mountains, a metaphor for, for something that is impossible. Last week we looked at, at, at Caleb who says, I want that mountain, it belongs to me. Now he looked at it with different eyes than they did, right? I want it. God said it's mine, I believe it, I'm taking it, right? Here he says, this mountain that's before thee, before Zerubbabel, empowered by me, it's going to become like a plain. It's not even going to be an issue. It's amazing the things that we work so hard at in our human effort for months and months on end by the power of the Holy Spirit can be taken care of in just moments. It's amazing what God can do in moments. I even think, and I, uh, I, I mentioned it, I even think about what's happening in our world and, and people seeking after God. I, I'm amazed at how many people are talking about, about things of God and revival. And how it happened and turned the story so very quickly. You know what God can do in moments what we can't do in months. If we seek his continual source of power. These problems would not be large. This, the building of the temple could happen. It was achievable. It was something that could be done. Empowered by God. The song, Little is Much When God is in it. Do you know it? Little is much when God is in it. Isn't that a great song? Little is much. Matthew 17 and 20. Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. With God all things are possible. Zerubbabel, get it in your mind. You've been leading and you've been allowing some disengagement. You're the leader. You've been allowing this disengagement. It is time to move forward and I will supply you with all the power that you need. You can do it. You can stir up the people again. We can see this happen. We sell ourselves so short when we choose not to go forward in the strength of the Lord. Well, I've done it and I've tried and it hasn't worked and we talk about all the resistance that's come up against us every responsibility that god reveals to us he also will supply his spirit to help us to accomplish it every responsibility notice there's reassurance not just that the problems can be conquered but that the project could be completed in verse number seven and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings crying grace, grace unto it. There's gonna, you're going to come to the day mm, when you grab the plaque on the front, that, that, that final plaque that says, hey, this was built and, and this is how it was built and you're going to bring it there and you're going to place it and there's going to be shoutings, there's going to be rejoicing. The, the capstone of the project is going to happen. Look at verse number eight with me. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. And his hands shall also finish it. His hands shall also finish it. Listen, God was saying, there is a prophecy right now, and I'm bringing this to Zechariah. Zerubbabel, you're going to finish this project. And it's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by your power. But it is going to be by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I'm going to supply you with the power. Construction started around 520 B.C. And finished somewhere around... March 12, 1515 B.C. And the project finished. 
Yes, Zerubbabel led all the way to the end. He finished it. He not only laid the foundation, but he finished it. Ezra 6 and verse 14. And the elders of the Jews builded. And they prospered through the prophesyings of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Adu. I do not want us to miss that. If you, if you want to mark that in your Bible, go back to Ezra chapter 6 and verse number 14 and 15. Did you see that? God's people, they received this responsibility. They met some resistance that God had allowed, and they, they disengaged. They got discouraged and disengaged, but it was through the preaching of the word of God. It was through the preaching of the word of God that God's people re-engaged and they went after it and they finished the building. They finished the temple. It says there, uh, Ezra 6 and verse 14, they prospered through the prophesying, through the proclaiming of, the, uh, of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edu. And they builded and finished it according to the commandment of God, of, of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, the king of um, Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month of Adar, which is in the sixth month of the reign of Darius, the king. They finished it. They finished it. What God had told them years previous to accomplish, they finished it. The responsibility was accomplished as Rubel and the people heeded the preaching to work in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. If our first response to God revealing something for us to do is, we've tried before and it didn't work, we're already in the wrong frame of mind. When I said last week, we need to pray that God fill this, fill this room up and allow us to build forward and build, build beyond. If our first response is, oh, we've, we've tried. We're in the wrong frame of mind. God is bigger. God is bigger than our past experiences. And I sure know that our God loves this community around us enough that he wants us to reach this community and he wants us to put some effort in and to do our very best for him. And it's not by my might, it's not by your might, not by your power or my power, but by his spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's his uh, 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 spirit that will enable us to go forward. It was Spurgeon that said, without the spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without wind. We are useless. That is us. But as we, even as I mentioned this morning, have the John and Romans being put together. God gave those to us. I think that's a responsibility. I don't know about you. 15 cents. Do you know how we are getting this? Let me share a story with you. And I want to share this with you. Cover stock is extremely expensive right now. If you go print something, it, 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 the prices have gone way up. I looked at printing bulletins when i got the bill for printing the bulletins this year i said pam call them and make sure they didn't do something you know wrong well, they they didn't give us a wrong price you know and come to find out everything just keeps going up listen we're getting the covers on these john and romans printed at one cent one to two cents per how impossible okay so evidently the printer who's printing them in oshkosh wisconsin um where brother terry rushing is uh, with Wings as Eagles, that ministry has a printing ministry there. Well, evidently, there's a cheese company 
that ships their cheese, and in between each layer on the pallet, each, each layer, they put cover stock to protect the cheese. But somehow, some way, the cover stock is very protected and is not damaged and is in perfectly good shape. There's a man who works in this factory that collects this legally, collects this together, and he collects it over time and he gives it to his brother who's a printer. He cuts this stuff down and he uses it for projects like this to print God's word or covers on, covers on to further, further work. I heard that story just this week. My brother told me, do you know how you're getting this so cheap? And that, listen, God's big. Well, the economy, we can't do this. No, God's big. He can take paper from, from protecting cheese to put it on John and Romans so we can give it out in our city. What an amazing God we serve. Now, I think God gave us a responsibility. I think when that opportunity showed, not every opportunity means a responsibility. But I think when God, uh, God gave us this and this, made this available to us, he gave us a responsibility. Get the word to my, unto this city. And we have dwelt in this city for almost 40 years. And there's sometimes we've dwelt in it with a, uh, with a sense of anticipation. God, God's out there and he's working. There's other times we've, we've, we've dwelt in this city as a church and we've thought, no, we can't see God do anything here. Forgive us for those times. Forgive us for the times that we've walked around all the foundations that we've built in the city, foundations of prospects and foundations of uh, uh, opportunities where we shared the gospel and we need to go back and water. Forgive us, Lord, for walking around foundations all throughout this city and saying it can't be done, it's not time. No, it is time. This year it's time. You realize people are hungry, hungry for God, but they're hungry for authentic God. They're, they're not hungry for, for something fake. They're hungry for God. They're hungry for a real relationship with God. And I look forward to giving them books from the Bible that tell them who Jesus really is. We're all going to need to get out there. It's time. It's time to go. It's time to build. It's time to move forward. It's not time to say, you know, if the economy is bad, no, God already proved to us, even in this project, he can supply. He can supply. And he can do it. I want us to turn to John chapter 4 and verse number 33. Let's wrap this all together. This isn't just about building, building. Our subject tonight is building, and I do think that we ought to, as the Lord would give us guidance, whether it's, whether it's changing the carpet in this auditorium, whether it's putting chairs in here, whether it's building, building beyond, and, and Lord willing, seeing this someday become a gym again, all those things in God's time, as he gives the responsibilities, we don't say, oh, we, don't, we don't think we, can't, uh, we can do it. We go forward, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. We take the responsibility together as a church. We need to know this is God saying this. We have agreement in going forward. We, we, have, we have an assurance together, and we go forward. Hey, this is God's responsibility. But the, the big thing that I want to put in front of us right now, we dwell in a city that needs Jesus. And we need to believe God. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He did not say, you go build the church. He said, I will build the church. But he did say that he would build his church on his own sacrifice and upon the sacrifice of his disciples. And that's us saying, you know what? Whatever, Lord, you want us to do, we'll go do it. We'll go do it. Look at John 4 and verse number 33. I told you to go there and I did not turn there. John 4 and verse number 33. You know the story as the woman at the well. 
And it's at the end, in verse number 33, the disciples, therefore said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him aught to eat? So they're coming back after they've been on their, their sightseeing journey while Jesus is witnessing. They're on a, a sightseeing tour doing some other things, right? And so they come back and they're like, has anyone, like, how's he still out here talking? Has anyone brought him food that we didn't know about? Jesus overhears this. Jesus hears everything. Verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat, my satisfaction, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That ought to be our desire as well. My meat is to, is to finish his work. What satisfies me is to finish his work. And then what did he tell his disciples? Say not ye. Let's read it together. Say not ye that there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, there they say, and it's an agricultural thing, but they say, ah, there's, there's four months. There's still time. It's not the right time right now. It's, there's still time. And Jesus is saying, no, no, I want you to realize right now is the time to harvest souls. Not four months from now, right now. Right now is the time to get involved in the, the work of building the church. Our whole purpose is to do God's bidding here in this time, in this day, in this city, and he's commissioned us to, to proclaim the gospel, to go forward with that message everywhere we can, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Matthew 28 and verse 19, we're to go, therefore, and teach all nations. And we're to do that starting here. We've done that in Grenada. Praise God. It's happening in Grenada still. We want to keep that going. We want to be a part of anywhere God will let us be a part of, but we can't forget here. And so as we enter into the spring I'm calling on all of us today to, to abandon anything like it's not time. God isn't working to realize God is absolutely working. And if we'll get out there in the harvest fields in obedience to him and begin engaging this community, God will work. If we obey him and take on the responsibilities that he's given us, God will work. I want us to remember he says, don't say there's yet four months and then comes the harvest. Right now, it's white into harvest. Remember what he said to us, Acts 1 and verse number 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses. You and I, let's not be like the, the Israelites. It's not time. It's not time. Walking around for 15 years, it's not time. Another time, later, next year, uh, during the summer, when it's warmer, when it's not raining, when it's, when it's this. When I got an easier schedule, it is time. And it's not by my might, and it's not by your power, but it is by his spirit, saith the Lord. And may we go forward in this year as Grace Baptist Church and engage the responsibilities that God has given us. And number one on that list is he has made us witnesses in this city. May God help us. And I ask that you just bow with me in prayer and find a place to kneel there, all across the auditorium, Lord, I relinquish my might and power. All the times I've said it's not time, I ask for your power. All the, the times I've said I can't, I ask for your power. I encourage you to seek the filling of the Holy Spirit, just like Zerubbabel was encouraged to lean on the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So now, as a church, may we lean on the power of the Holy Spirit to go.
shepherd and see God do a work in this city for his glory. It is time. It is time. Find a place to pray. key here is surrender the Holy Spirit just like we talked about this morning I'm weak you're strong I depend upon you to strengthen me thank you for listening to this podcast to learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life visit gracekettering.org and remember you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church